Welcome to the Help for Wounded Spirits. This podcast exists to reach those wounded and suffering through life's trials. And now your host, Dr. Doug Carriger. Well, it's great to be back with you folks. As full disclosure, let me tell you a couple things. The most important thing, we're in the book of Job. We're following God's leading. Uh, I'm with my friend and co-host, Stephanie Wesco. Stephanie, how are you? I'm doing pretty good, Doug. Thanks for asking. Uh, Praise the Lord. Pretty good is good. And here we are. And the second part of what I wanted to tell you is this. Uh, I want you to know that there's some storming going on on this side, um, this side of things over here on the East Coast. So you'll be hearing some weather out behind me. And then we're going into Chapter 3, which is the greatest uh, terrible as place to be. Does that make sense, Stephanie? Can it be two or three different things? And we're going to go chapter three, one through 10. I'm going to read all 10 verses. And then as in the past, we're going to come back. But I want to tell you what's going on. I'm trying to remember what's going on here, Stephanie. I remember in chapter one, they, they pick out Job because he's his great dude. He's got great kids. He's handling his wife. He's handling his family. He's not in trouble. He's not being picked on by God but he's given this trial because he's so awesome. And we see that in chapter one, and God lets him give him the first trial where he loses the kids, they lose the ranch, they lose the house. And we end up in chapter two, and the guy's got boils from head to toe, man. And those boils are oozing. He's hitting them with a scraper. He's popping those boils, Stephanie. There's boil popping going on, man. There's, I mean, there's pus, and it flies when you pop a boil. It's like, you ever watch that pimple popper on TV where they... They Doug. pop a pimple for like 15 minutes and ooze. Where still... is Debbie? Yeah. Where is Debbie when we need her? Okay, so she's not far, but thankfully she didn't hear that portion. But we, anyway. We need we need her to be giving you the stop it symbol. Yeah, all right. right well, 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 you handled that. So there we are in chapter two. And then his buddies show up. So his three friends show up, and, and they're a unique group. You know, we got Eliphaz, uh, the team of night and Billadad, the shoe height, the shortest guy in the body. You know, I was going to say that at least twice. Yep, I uh, did. And yeah. so far. <laughs> and, and, <laughs> and so these three guys come along. And in, in the beginning, in the beginning, they're pretty cool. They, you know, yeah. they get right with God, man. They, you know, they, they put ashes on, they get down and they, seven days and seven nights, they're sitting there with Job. And obviously, I bet you Mrs. Job's there. They're dealing with them. And we talked about how to help people when they're hurting. Is the Yesterday morning is what we were talking about. Now, this morning, we want to hop right in here. And there's a lot going on. And, uh, you know, right here in the beginning, in 3, 1, and 2, Job finds his voice. And, and then we go on. His friends start speaking up. And I want to read 3, 1 through 10 right now. After this opened Job his mouth. So he opens up. And he cursed his day. Uh-oh. And Job spake and said, Let the day perish wherein I was born, and the night in which it was said, There a man-child was conceived. Let that day be darkness. Let not God regard it from above. Neither let the light shine upon it. Let darkness and the shadow of death stain it. Let a cloud dwell upon it. Let the blackness of this day terrify it. As for the night, let darkness seize upon it. Let it not be joined unto the days of the year. Let it not come unto the number of the months. Lo, let that night be solitary. Let no joyful voice come therein. Let them curse it and curse the day who are ready to raise 
up their morning. Let the stars of the twilight thereof be dark. Let it look for light, but have none, neither let it see the dawning of the day. Because it shut not up the doors of my mother's womb, nor hid sorrow from mine eyes. Depression has set in, things are bad. Yeah. Just before I let Stephanie in, she's, she's got a few great thoughts about this she's going to share with you. But just before I let her in, I want to remind you of what Job's lost up to now. And it's really yeah. not about the personal uh, you know, property. It's not about the animals. It's not about the house. A, he lost his kids, Stephanie. And I'll never forget my mother saying to me, my mother had a son that was uh, born and only lived a couple days. I have a brother uh, who was born, only lived a couple days long before I came on the scene. He's, he's awaiting me in heaven. And uh, I look forward to meeting him, hanging out with him and seeing him. And I hope, this is my hope, Stephanie, right now, I still believe I'm the best looking boy in the family, but I'm not sure how that's going to go when I meet this guy. You know, he... He may be one, especially seeing them all good looking up there. And, but anyway, <laughs> this is what my mother told me, and I'll never forget this. She said, you do not know pain until you stand in front of the dead body of a child that's yours. And I never forgot that. And so, folks, I want to remind you of something right now. Thank God I've never done that. I pray to God I never will. Um, but I want to remind you, Job did that. And... He lost his kids. And so, Stephanie, what's happening here? Uh, what's Job wakes up and he speaks, and what's going on? Well, I think I, my hat is off to Job that he spoke. Yeah. Um, everybody responds different to tragedy, to loss, to shock. Um, I did not want to talk to anyone. Yeah. Um, I would talk to Rhonda. I would talk to Becca Sinclair and to Liberty. And that was about the only people I would talk to. Um, I remember I opened up a little bit to my dad a couple of times. But um, I honestly was afraid to trust anyone with what I was thinking. And um, because I didn't want to be told everything that I already knew was wrong with me. And so my hat is off to Job. And I think this one of the sad things to me here is Job trusted these friends. I think he trusted them a lot to be, to be willing to start. They had to be his closest friends, Stephanie. They, I yeah. mean, they're the ones who came, you know? Yeah. And so he's, he's, he is opening up. In every sense of the word, he is opening up the rawest part of who he is and what he's going through to them. And I think Job at this point, you know, we know the story looking back on it. Job didn't know what was happening. He didn't know that he was the object of God and Satan there. All Job could see was that he had lost his children and that now from every physical appearance, from how he felt he was dying. And, um, you know, it's, it's easy for us to stay in judgment and walk in someone else's shoes. And when I look at Job and I think of the fact that he did not have a Bible to read, he did not have, he could pray, he could do that, he could talk to God, 
but he didn't have the resources. He didn't have any books on suffering. He didn't have Elizabeth Elliot's quotes yeah. to read. Yeah. Um, he didn't have things that we have. And I really believe that Job had reached the, he didn't have a pastor to call. You know, he didn't have a pastor to say, Pastor, I'm really struggling. Could you come over and talk to me and and help me with these questions? And he didn't have any of that. And I think Job had reached the point of feeling like God hated him and like it would have been better if he had never been born. And he had gone into that, the hole of depression, where he just wished, he honestly did wish just to die and wished that he was non-existent in the scheme of life that he just literally had never even become into existence and um i have no judgment for job for feeling that way because i've been there and i remember days of saying god i don't understand why this was in your plan I know you know you can read scripture and you know it's true but at the same time we are humans and everything in our own understanding screams this is so wrong and this makes no sense whatsoever and that's where Job was he had reached that point of he had been quiet and we know during those hours and those days of quiet his brain was swirling and I firmly do believe that Job did have um, PTSD. When I read things that he says throughout the book of Job, I think he had reached that point of his brain was going at a million miles a second through all of the whys and what did I do to cause this and what do I do now and what's the, you know what I'm saying? I mean, literally where you reach that point of hypervigilance, panic, stress out mode and Job didn't know where to go with that. And so he just started talking. And that's where we see, that's where I think we see um, him as we come into chapter two of he had no joy in the fact that God had even given him breath. He yeah. literally had just reached that point of utter hopelessness and despair. Yeah, you mean in chapter three where he starts talking? Yes, and... I'm sorry. Yeah, chapter three. Yeah. And I, and I think, you know what? Are you very logical? when terrible things happen. I mean, is that the best time for us as human beings? I mean, you know, it's easy, I think, uh, to look back at things and how we handle different situations and how we handle things. And, you know, I, I mean, I would think that with what Job's been through here, you're not real logical. And, and I mean, he's saying things like he's wanting to go back and remove his birth. He's sorry he ever lived. And, you know, Job is forgetting about his marriage, the wonderful wife, all those kids, the, you know, but he's right in the middle of this trial. And I mean, when you're in the middle of your trial, Stephanie, and I mean, when you're in the middle of those, what, what's life like? Uh, I mean, what's life like right in the middle of the craziest, saddest, most terrible life altering thing? I mean, what's life like at that point? Life is very... Um, the world is swirling around you. Um, you're not eating. You're not sleeping. Combine that with physical pain. Um, you know, not only had Job's mind been through multiple 
levels of what I would call shell shock, so to speak, where, you know, he loses everything and then he loses his kids. And so you combine all of those traumas. I guarantee you he hadn't eaten. He wasn't eating. He wasn't sleeping. And then he gets hit with physical pain that was making him wish he could just die. And so every, literally Satan had attacked Job in every, you know, we have a physical, spiritual, and emotional side, that mental side, however you want to look at how we're put together, every aspect of Job, every part of his makeup was being attacked by the devil simultaneously. Oh, oh, and and you know, I mean, Stephanie, you've been there, you you came back, you lost the love of your life, you get back to Indiana, you get a home, thank God, you, you get your stuff together, you're dealing with PTSD, you're dealing with flashbacks, you're dealing with all these kinds of things. I mean, the holidays come, it's your first holiday without Charles and 14, 15 holidays and, uh, and, and you know, you move into your own place and man, you're, having, you're up all night, your life sideways and in, in the midst of that, thankfully, uh, you got Rhonda, you got your dad, who's your pastor, you got Liberty, and, and there's a lot of people, honestly, there's a lot of people seemingly trying to do well. I mean, there's some knuckleheads in, in your picture there, but we don't need to remember the knuckleheads. But, and then in the midst of that, I mean, I, I show up and uh, and was, was a non-player for months, you know, but I mean, I show up and I'm getting an outside seat of this and that's, I think just before I showed up, you went to the emergency room for pains. Yeah. For having yep, literally pain. the week before you, before you came, I was in the emergency room. And I mean, one of the first conversations we had is does PTSD cause pain? And I said, yeah, but you really need to have a doctor. Remember you and I having a mm-hmm. major conversation about, boy, yeah. you better go through all these scans and make sure something didn't happen to you or something that hurt mm-hmm. you. And you agreed and you had appointments set up at that point. Yeah. And uh, and so we talked for the best part of a week with you. At one point, you know, Rhonda, there's Rhonda on the scene helping. There's your parents on the scene helping, giving us an opportunity to sit down and console. And in the midst of that, you, you're making appointments, you know, and, and the crowd has slowed down a little bit. I, I had even, uh, I remember asking your dad to help keep the crowd low uh, or to mm-hmm. slow people down. And he was, he valiantly. He was you're, trying. Oh, yeah. Your dad's yeah. a total pastoral hero to you not only a good dad but he he was really trying to give you that time to to go through the ptsd portion but in the midst of that i get on a plane i go to my next place and 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 you call and your first words to me is i'm drowning do you remember that yeah and uh and and the reason you were drowning and to catch everybody up is I mean, Stephanie had just walked into her doctor, and while she was in there, they told her you have these tumors. Uh, you have first that you have a tumor, a big tumor on your liver, and so that's where I talked to Stephanie. And then over the next few days, it had grew from one tumor to multiple tumors. In the midst of all this, the, you get lined up at the Cancer Treatment Center of America. Mm-hmm. Uh, I throw Debbie in the mix. So not only do you got Rhonda taking you, your best friend, but I throw Debbie in there because of her medical background to go to Zionsville with you. And I, you know, I told that my only orders to Debbie was she's got to live, you know, whatever, whatever that takes, you know, we don't know what's going on. Is it cancerous? Is it not cancerous? And before we go to the end of that story in a few minutes, I mean, you're right there. You've lost, uh, you've been through the first two stages of what Job's been through. You, 
you've lost Charles and now you're in a medical trial that you've never been through in your life. And I mean, somehow try to describe this to us uh, so that we can glean from this. Yeah, well, I think um, as is probably the case quite often um, with people going through trials, for me, um, I had I had so many people say you lost everything, and honestly, that was the easiest part of the trial um, in the big picture. Losing losing our physical belongings, yeah, was there moments of God? I got eight kids to take care of. What are we going to do? Yeah, there was those moments, um, most definitely on the process of evacuation and coming home. I mean, literally, your whole household is gone. Right. Not only is your husband gone, but everything that you had shipped, everything. I mean, there's people right now in Cameroon enjoying your first new stove. I mean, there's, <laughs> there's people with your refrigerator. There's people with the kids' Legos. I mean, and yeah. just to give people background, then you get home. Yeah, yeah. So uh, losing Charles was the biggest crux of that first wave. And um, so, yeah, dealing with that. And then, um, I mean, God's timing is everything. And um, as I've said numerous times over, I said it just last weekend at a women's retreat I did. If God had not brought you into the picture the week before, I do not think I'd be alive today because... Up, you know, if, if I hadn't had someone I could talk to um, that day. Yeah. I was done. Wow. I'm so sorry. And yeah. I remember saying to the nurse, um, and my doctor's office had been really sweet. After Charles had died, they had sent me a card, and everybody there had signed it. And um, they, knew, they knew where I was in life. They had seen me deathly sick the year before we even went to Cameroon when I would go in for treatments for um, adrenal collapse and um, my mono. And so they had seen, they had seen life. And um, I remember um, I was hooked up to an IV and um, I was just sitting there kind of numb after the doctor had talked to me and the nurse came over and she was all teared up and she said, we're not letting you leave here unless you promise us you're not going to go do yourself. And, um, she just told me and I cried and I said, I don't know what I've done. That yeah. God hates me so much. And it's that affliction thing. And, and, and I'm glad, I'm just I'm talking for a couple of reasons. One is to give Stephanie a minute to catch her breath. But again, there's so many people that, we go to, we've been almost programmed in this world of ours that we've had to do something wrong when the bad trials come. It's something we did. And so the nurse is holding you, Stephanie. You're, you're sitting there in, I guess, what'd you say, Columbus, Indiana, Columbia, Indiana, wherever you were. Goshen. Goshen, yeah, Goshen Oak Heart area, yeah. And, and, um, yeah. and so she just, she just let me cry and she said, she said, um, and I'm not even sure that nurse knew the Lord, but she was such a blessing to me, and she had so much compassion, and, and she just said, please, please either call someone to come get you or promise us you're not going to leave this parking lot until you are 
till you're in a place where you won't do something that that's not good and and I'm very thankful that from a medical emotional perspective they were very tuned into the fact that even though I wasn't saying to them I'm going to do something they could tell they knew who I was and they could tell that something had flipped that I was seriously done with life and so I remember going out and sitting in the car and I called my dad and he was at a bible conference and was in the midst of things and yeah so I called you and um, that's a good thing you answered. <laughs> Man, I'm glad I did. I, I remember that I just fell I just fell to my knees. I didn't know I didn't know what to do. Uh, I mean, here we are, everything's gonna be all right. You're you're counseling with somebody, you're you're kinda like Job's friends when he before they got dumb, before they lost their brains and you just wanna love people and care for people and you're hearing that I've got these tumors and the more you talk to the nurses, the tumors went from one and, and to many more. And, and you're thinking that cancer is, you're going to die. What's going to happen with the kids? And, and uh, then I gave you the worst advice that I thought I'd ever given anybody, but I thought it was important. And I kept praying about it. And I even, I think your dad and I even talked somewhere in the midst of this. And I, I told you, I said, Stephanie, if I was you, I'd talk to your kids. And I don't know if you yeah. remember me telling you that, but then a few days later, I got a text message from your dad, and I don't know if we put that picture in the book or not, but I, it's a... No, I don't think so. I don't think we did, but your dad has that picture where he took a picture of you telling the kids you had these tumors and you might have cancer, and you're just going to trust God. And I mean, I never forgot that. I remember looking at that picture and saying, God, why did I tell her to do that? But if you remember, I, I said to you, you've always been honest with your kids. I mean, probably your greatest attribute and your worst attribute as a mom is your total <laughs> honesty. You tell them exactly, I just feel, why are you doing this to me? You know, but so then you end yeah. up and we're getting to a place where I know we're, we, we only got a few minutes left, but I mean, we're getting, and I'm saying that not to you, Stephanie, but those listening, because we always get enthralled when we get to this point. But uh, so take us, if you can, in two minutes, from showing up at the cancer treatment center to showing back up where Stephanie, where, what Steffi says to you, uh, your daughter. So, yeah, so we went to the cancer treatment center and, um, you know, I kept getting mixed messages from the local doctor's office and, of course, the nurses. I, the, the doctor was very, very concerned and he said, this is out of my league. And, you know, he was a widower. He had lost his wife. And so when he told me about the tumors and I lost it, he just started crying and was like, I'm so sorry. And, um, you know, it was, God was taking us all on a journey at that point. And um, that same doctor also really, God used him to help me with my PTSD because he had been in the Army. He knew what PTSD looked like. And so that doctor was such a blessing from the Lord. And... In the, in the midst of all of that, um, you know, he said, you need to get into an oncologist as soon as possible and go for the next, you know, he said, they're probably going to run PET scans. And, um, you know, he said, I'm not even sure everything that's going to be involved in this process, but you need to get in. And every door local kept closing. Doctors were on vacation. I wasn't hearing back. And um, a friend of mine, the Lord brought cancer treatment center to her mind. She made a call and then called me. And within two weeks, um, I was scheduled and going there, which was just 
totally of God. And um, as we went up there, you know, initially everybody was thinking this is cancer. And I don't know if it was or not. I don't want to sell God short. I know either way, whatever it was, whatever the tumors are, God has been a great physician for me. And, um, but you know, second day there, initially I was looking at biopsies and treatment plans and 48 hours later, less than 48 hours later, I'm being told you don't have cancer. We aren't sure what these tumors are, but we know they're not cancer. Praise God. And, um, Debbie, Debbie needs to give this story sometime of my reaction because what she saw versus who what I felt inside are are similar and different all at the same time. But um, I, it, it took me a little while to realize that God still loved me and He was good in the midst of this. And there's, I mean, there's so much of what God took me through in the, the morning of those scans and what God did in my heart. And, um, that's a whole nother subject, but, um, I had reached the point of hopelessness and there was a journey in those weeks leading up to going to the cancer treatment center of, of coming to that point of God is still God. And I knew there were people praying. We all need to have that journey folks. Yeah. 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 There was a growing process, but all that to say when I got home and, my kids had been through so much. Yeah. And um, I'll never forget when we got home, my daughter, who was eight at the time, running up to me and giving me a big hug. And she said, Mommy, you don't have cancer. And she just had the biggest smile on her face. And, you know, my kids still live in fear. The same way I live in fear of losing them. They live in fear of losing me, and if I'm gone too long, they freaked out when we were definitely sick in January, and I was passing out on the ground and couldn't breathe, and um, So just to catch everybody up, we need to say that uh, this last January that the Wesco family had COVID-19, and and, uh, and actually Stephanie's family's been tested and have the markers that kind of ran through her whole Wesco Williams family. But um, I, I hate to cut this off, Stephanie, but we're a little longer than we usually okay. are. And we want to be sympathetic to those radio stations yes. who are now starting to play <laughs> us. And, but listen, folks, you know, here's the bottom line. The, the bottom line is, hey, Job's suffering from depression. Yeah. Things are bad. And we, we gave you a human example of what Stephanie went through. And I'm, I'm proud to know Stephanie. And I thank God Job's words here to help us along. Job's going through more. Don't run away. We'll be back tomorrow. We're looking forward to when we can get back together and record again. But uh, we hope you folks have a great day. We wanted to take some time and we wanted to share this 134th podcast with you. And, and Job's trying to figure out why did he live? Uh, he wishes that uh, at this point, I think more than anything else, he wishes he never lived. And that's yeah. Uh, that's what I think's going on here. He wished he never lived. Why did I live? I wish I never lived. Well, listen, we love you folks. Make sure you look for us on our private Facebook pages or help the wounded spirits. May God bless you. Have a great day. Thank you for listening today. We hope this podcast has been a blessing in your life. For helpful resources and to help continue this podcast, visit us at Wounded Spirits dot com.